Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. <clears throat> I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. As you can tell, I am a little bit cold addled right now. Uh, I blame the Falcons game entirely, uh, you know, for making me yell and such. So uh, a little bit lower intensity voice today, uh, but here to break down some really terrible late football and some actually quite good early football. Um, I chose for so for the good news for those of you watching. Uh, I do actually have some clips to share that will break down. Um, I did try to describe everything very well for the audio audience to make sure that you guys actually listening to the podcast would be able to enjoy it in the same way. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm open to feedback on it. It's going to be my first time attempting to do both. Um, but if you are listening to the audio version and you want to see the plays, you can always go check it out on our uh, YouTube page, youtube.com. Uh, slash SBN the Falcoholic to see the actual clips if you get a chance and you're interested in doing that. But uh, I hope that the show will be equally enjoyable for those watching on video and listening to the audio. We really appreciate all you guys. Uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out with us on the post-game show, which was, I wouldn't call it fun, but perhaps cathartic is a better word. Um, did enjoy getting to vent a little bit with you guys. So going forward, uh, the post-game show, which we record immediately after the game, uh, that is going to be more of like the hot takes, the instant reactions, our, our sort of unfiltered raw emotion. And then this film review uh, will be more of a reasoned approach, uh, looking at some actual plays, looking looking back at the game after some time to, to process things. So this will be a more reasonable approach uh, to what we've seen. So I hope that you guys enjoy it uh, because despite the negativity, there certainly were some positives. Um, so before we get to the anatomy of the collapse itself, where I break down sort of how things went wrong for the team starting in the fourth quarter, let me just touch on some of the positives from this game because there, there were a lot. I mean, I would say those first three quarters, the Falcons played them not flawlessly, but certainly the game script I thought was very smart. I thought the game plan as a whole fourth quarter defense notwithstanding was very smart. The Falcons were sort of unafraid of the Saints run defense. They were going to try to establish the run there. They were going to utilize Mari Mariota as a, as a runner to get the Saints off balance, which they did effectively throughout the game. And then they were going to attack off play action, which they did effectively through most of the game. Um, the big takeaway for me is that the rushing attack, I think, looks excellent. Um, we haven't seen the running game look that good in, in years. The Saints 
are known to be, if not the best, one of the top five run defenses in the NFL. They have most of their personnel, including their two linebackers, who are two of the best in the NFL, at stopping the run. They had, they're basically full health on that defensive line and, and with the linebackers. So it's really, this is an impressive performance. I hope the Falcons can keep it up. The Falcons amassed over 200 rushing yards. The first time in recent memory I can re- remember them actually hitting that mark at five point. I think three yards per carry. So excellent job there. Um, Offensively, they didn't really have like a tremendous passing attack. I think it was fairly efficient. Marcus Mariota uh, was 20 of 33 for 215 yards. Um, No touchdowns through the air. But they did, I think, distribute the ball pretty well. Um, Drake London, a big winner, obviously. Five for 74 uh, great start for him. We did get to see some nice plays by Lamade Zacchaeus. Unfortunately, also had the lost fumble. Uh, the surprises would be Kaderil Hodge sort of functioning more as the third receiver. Uh, and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was actually targeted the same amount of times as Drake London. Um, just didn't come down with the ball. That many times both were targeted seven times. So I feel like that's more of an aberration than anything. The Saints were also dedicating a lot to Kyle Pitts. Every single play, and Arthur Smith you know, talked about it today or Monday, um, recording this Monday afternoon, at his press conference that like Kyle Pitts took a lot of the coverage away and allowed us to do other things with our other threats. And that's sort of the point of getting someone like Drake London right, is that if teams are going to sell out to stop Kyle Pitts, then you can make them pay with your other weapons. And I think that's exactly what they did. Um, it sucks for those of you that own Kyle Pitts in fantasy, but that's what it's going to be like for him. Sometimes it might be a little bit more feast or famine than you're hoping for until he sort of becomes more of that Julio Jones presence that maybe will, uh, sort of doesn't matter what you do. He's still going to go off. Um, I don't know if he's quite there yet. I don't know if the rest of this offensive personnel is quite there yet to make that happen, but certainly encouraging start there. Um, the other big thing from the offensive line, it ties into the run game. Also the pass protection, the offensive line, had a really good game against a team that has traditionally just dominated the Falcons up front. Uh, I think they created pretty good holes in the run game. I think Corral Patterson had a lot to do with the success they had on the ground. I don't think, I think he bailed them out of, of a couple poor blocks, but I think as a whole, the unit was strong. I think the pass protection was, was exceptional, um, which is not something I'm accustomed to seeing. They, they kept Mariota clean. And also of course, Mariota's ability to scramble and evade, pressure in the pocket uh, led to zero sacks and only one quarterback hit given up in the entire game. That's just a really impressive, really impressive debut performance for this Falcons offensive line that I think was the biggest concern we had going into the season. So if this offensive line can stay playing at this sort of level where they're, you know, paving the way for a strong ground attack and not letting Mariota get clobbered back there, um, this offense could be a lot better than we expect. So we'll have to see how that how that pans out but um just off the top you know the falcons are going to start the year after week one seventh in points scored fifth in total yardage they uh piled up 416 yards total uh that's pretty impressive obviously to be a top 10 offense at any point you know last year they never sniffed it because that first game was awful and they never recovered um so that's that's always nice to to see the offense off to a a good start the bad came on defense, which despite a really, really good first three quarters, they allowed just an insane amount of yardage in the third, in the fourth quarter, culminating in them allowing, you know, six, 17 fourth quarter points and 
uh, I think it was like 200 yards in the fourth quarter or something like that, Um, which is just unacceptable uh, on any level. It's completely unacceptable. Um, And we're going to get into why they did some of that. Uh, I think that the big takeaway, though, is that they really did a good job rushing the passer. They did rely on the blitz quite a bit. That doesn't shock me, um, but they did rely on the blitz, but the blitz was effective. They got four sacks off of it and got plenty of pressures as well. Um, they also were very good stopping the run against everyone not named Taysom Hill. Uh, Taysom Hill had four carries for 81 yards, uh, and the rest of the Saints' rushing attack, I think, was like, I don't know, like 50 yards, you know, 12, 15 carries for 50 yards, so... Uh, or, or probably even less than that. But yeah, I mean, against everyone not named Taysom Hill, the Falcons kept it under under wraps. Um, really, it was just the late big plays they allowed to Jarvis Landry and the two touchdowns given up to Michael Thomas, which both were just insane throws and catches from Jameis Winston. I thought AJ Terrell had good coverage both times. So, um, you know, we're going to get into why I, I blame a specific series of events for what went down. But I thought overall the Falcons up until that final series, couple series, you know, 1241 remaining in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought they did really well. I, I, I think they did as well as we could have hoped against a saints offense that has a lot of weapons. Uh, their offensive line looks like it's not going to be as good as they thought. Um, we'll see if the Falcons pass rush doing anything this week was a symptom of that saints offensive line being a lot worse than expected, or if the Falcons actually do have some juice, but um, early returns, I think, were positive, except for the biggest one, right? Everything's great, except that they blew it again. You know, um, it, it just it, it erases all of the goodwill, all the good feelings you have about that strong performance. Whereas if this game had, had gone the other way and the Falcons lost 26 to 27, but they were the ones coming back from a big deficit or whatever, we'd feel way better about it. But because, once again, they have blown a massive lead, in just crushing, embarrassing fashion, coupled with some very poor fourth, a very poor fourth down decision by Arthur Smith, um, and just a total collapse uh, late. We come away from this game feeling disgusted uh, once again. So they they've got to find a way to do better. Uh, they've got to find a way to start closing these games out. Because at this point, they've changed the quarterback, they've changed the roster, they've changed everything, they've changed the coaching staff, and they're still doing it. So I, I they have to, to do something philosophically different to keep this from happening. Um, and we're going to talk about that. Let's let's get into it, guys. Uh, the anatomy of a collapse, Falcons against the Saints here in week one. All right, guys. Let's, let's take a look at where it all went wrong for the Falcons in this game. Up until this point, I thought that the Falcons played a pretty damn good game like uh better than any of us i think expected defensively offensively everything was on point obviously not perfect but about as well as you could hope against a team that a lot of people are predicting to be a playoff team in the saints a team that had an elite run defense uh and that has a basically completely revamped passing game that should be very lethal the falcons did a great job of handling all of those things very well until they got up 16 points. Uh, and that seems to be the kiss of death for this team because the second they get up to that big lead, the entire philosophy changes on defense. 
And to be honest, it only changes for this drive. Um, but like, like they, they did recognize what they did wrong on this drive, but it was too late because of all the things we're going to see here. This is the drive that gave New Orleans their mojo back. This showed the Saints they could win this game. Everything changes. Like, I'm not a believer in momentum and all that because it's not something that you can really quantify it. You know, if momentum was true, the Falcons would have run away with this game, right? Because they're up 16 points with 1241 remaining. That's that's not what I'm talking about. But the Falcons gave the Saints life with what they did here with how little respect they gave this offense on this drive. Uh, And that ended up being what cost them this game more than anything was that arrogance and, and the way they played it on this series, which thankfully is not very long. So let's, let's look at this. The first big thing you're going to notice here is this defensive front that the Falcons are deploying Um, right off the bat. It's just like a a basic three, four look, right? There's nothing really noticeable there. Uh, it is a very run-heavy look, which is, of course, very silly considering the state of the game, right? The Saints are down 16. They're at their own 25-yard line. They need to score two touchdowns ASAP. You would want them to run the ball. So it doesn't make any sense to me, first of all, that you're playing a run-stuffing front against a, a team in a situation that you really want them to run the ball. Like, I would try to tempt them into running if at all possible to force them to burn clock and all those things because every time they run the ball it's not a deep passing play which is of course what you want to prevent um but no the falcons are actually running a run stopping cover one look here on first and 10 which i don't think i need to tell most of you smart football folks that this doesn't really make any sense for this game situation personnel notwithstanding now we're going to get to the personnel which of course is the big issue in my mind Anthony Rush at nose tackle. He is a starter. He's been good in this game. No problem necessarily with having Anthony Rush in there, in my opinion. I thought he's played well. I think if you want to keep a nose tackle in to clog up space, that's fine. The issues I have are with every single other defensive lineman out there right now. Uh, We've got Timmy Horn, who's an undrafted nose tackle as well, playing the three tech or the five tech even it might be here. Uh, Then you've got Matt Dickerson, uh, a guy the Falcons picked up off waivers last week. We've barely seen play. So basically the fifth, sixth active defensive lineman, like the last string defensive lineman for your team. Uh, and then they've got two edge guys. Uh, they've got Quentin Bell, who in the preseason did look like a decent pass rusher. Um, so I actually don't have a huge issue with them rotating in someone like Quentin Bell if he's fresh. That to me isn't as big of an issue. They do have Ogan Deji as the other edge, who we all know is their run-stuffing specialist. So again, this run-stuffing front, you know, they've got their two linebackers, Rashawn Evans and uh, Michael Walker back there. Nothing about that's concerning, but what we're going to see here is this this front here, right? This group, uh, it doesn't make any sense for this game situation at all. Like, I get wanting to rotate fresh guys in. It makes total sense. But ripping out your entire starting defensive line group, except for your nose tackle, going to this run-heavy coverage front thing, um, it doesn't make any sense at all for this down and distance. And you've got, you know, you've got your other safety here playing the run. Like, he's over here watching for some sort of run play. Uh, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, And then your other safety you have playing back here in this incredibly deep alignment, which we're going to see a lot of... uh, 
so deep, in fact, that the safety really doesn't have much of a chance to impact the play at all on any of these next plays. So let's see what happens here on first and 10. Winston's going to get the snap here. He's going to be protected well against this. And, of course, it's an easy completion to tight end Jawan Johnson here, who just doesn't really have any problem at all uh, because see who covers him here. It's actually going to be Quentin Bell, the edge rusher, dropping and covering the tight end, Juwan Johnson, who's going to run here. And, of course, easily beat the Falcons, like, fourth, fifth edge rusher in coverage. Like, um, it's just... And the safety, again, like, the safety's so far back on this play, they have no chance of, of covering or, or impacting the play at all. Um, <clears throat> so... That's the big mistake here on this play. Like, if you're going to drop that edge rusher, you should have, I don't know, a good guy in coverage that the Falcons actually do have, right? They have Lorenzo Carter, who might be the best coverage edge in the entire NFL. Why don't you run him out there if you're going to drop someone in coverage uh, instead of your, like, fifth-string guy? So, you know, you this is rhetorical, obviously. I know you guys can't answer this. Uh, but... Again, to me, this just screams arrogance of, like, we've got this game in hand. We're going to rest our, our starting front uh, because we don't fear this Saints offense. We think we can just sort of coast to an easy win here. And as you guys know, that does not happen. All right, let's get to the next play. Saints already on the Falcons' side of the field after the huge completion. Uh, the Falcons still are in this reserve front uh you know so so nothing's really changed here they've, they've left the same personnel out there no changes um they they did take the nose tackle out because the saints are now in 11 personnel so they had to bring in a nickel corner instead of the extra lineman but we're still seeing this really soft zone here right um this really Tons of space, right? Just free space here on all these guys. And look, for some of these, this is teams are going to play zone sometimes. Like, this, this is not necessarily a problem. Um, you know, for instance, like Casey Hayward, for example. Like, Casey Hayward is a great zone corner. He's going to use that space really well, really intelligently most of the time. Um, but let's see what goes wrong here. So you actually see Hayward creep up on that play there. Um and this actually play goes probably about how the Falcons would like it to have gone, right? They force the, the coverage is better here. They do actually get a little bit of heat on Winston with this reserve unit. They do force him to check it down. But because everyone's so far back in this zone, Kamara basically has free reign to run this for like 15 yards. Like there's just... Like, I don't understand why the, the space in the middle of the field is vacated there. I Again, I don't know the exact call. They've got, you know, they've got two linebackers here. So I don't know why, like, I don't know why, for instance, like, why isn't Michael Walker covering this zone here? Like, why is no one in the zone? So I, I think that's probably a coverage bust there. Um, like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Like, it, it seemed like both Rashawn Evans and Michael Walker dropped back in that zone. Um, again, I don't know the call. I don't know if someone made a bust or if it, like, 
it just uh, it, it, it was a big mistake. And then you, you have Kamara basically running for that free 15 yards, which not the worst outcome, right? You tackle him in bounds. You get the clock running. Uh, not the end of the world there. But it is a little bit disappointing, right? Um, that you probably should have had someone in, in zone in the middle of the field there where that to shut down that easy dump-off pass. Um, and then we got another play here. Again, we're seeing this just really soft zone. Again, we're seeing this reserve defensive line uh, of almost entirely run stuffers. Um, so you don't need me to keep waxing on about how dumb that is. But alas, here we go again. First and 10, Winston. Again, not pressured at all. And it's just easy money in this soft zone for Jarvis Landry to get the, the easy completion here. Um, so you're going to see... I wish I could do slow motion, guys. I apologize, I can't, because Game Pass is trash now. Um, I just, I don't get it. Like, I, I obviously this is a mistake by Mike Ford. He passes this off. I, mean, I don't know. I guess I, I don't want to necessarily say it's a mistake by Mike Ford or anyone in particular, but I think the issue with this, um, because again, it's really hard for me to say like, oh, it's X player or Y player's fault because we don't know the call. We don't know the actual responsibilities. It's not always easy to tell. In fact, it's usually hard to tell. I think the problem here is that the safety help is so far back. Like, look at where the safety is. Like, he's not even in the zip code of the play. He's he's at the goal line. Like, what are you doing? Why is the safety back there? He can't, there's no way he could, he can't even impact a, a 20 plus yard completion. He's so far back. This is, I think just this cowardly, just like prevent safety coverage back here. The safety can't do anything. So all it takes is for a guy to get past that little crease in the zone. And then it's easy money, just easy, easy money. Uh, so I think that the, the alignment of the safety here is the issue. Like they, Richie Grant has no chance to make a play. He's so far back. Like, Landry gets the catch. It's just... Uh. And then this this final play uh, here. Like, this is just tremendous throw from Jameis Winston and tremendous catch by Michael Thomas. Like, I know people are like, oh, AJ Terrell gave up two touchdowns. Like, honestly, I don't know that... Terrell could have done much more on this play. Um, when they show the replay here, I mean, you could see it. Like, Terrell plays this absolutely perfectly. He's right in his face. He puts his hand up for the deflection. He looked back for the ball. That ball is absolutely perfectly placed. And Thomas get makes a great catch. Not Terrell's fault. Not the defense's fault. Great pass. Great catch. It's going to be great coverage every time. That's what happened there. Um, but uh, and we'll watch the two-point here real quick just for the, the completion of of the annihilation here but uh you know and again that that's it you know now eight point game um so the issue here is not that they gave up a score like it you know you're probably the, the game's gonna get closer these games against the saints we knew it wasn't gonna be a blowout we knew that it was gonna get closer um the issue i have is that you play that you play your reserves this early in the game like when this drive started guys let's go back and look 12:41 in the fourth quarter, 16-point lead, and you've got basically an entire run-stuffing reserve defensive line in here, uh, in a situation where you know your opponent has to throw the ball, basically throwing up the white flag 
of pass rush and being like, we're not going to even try to pressure you. That is when they lost this game um, because that allowed Winston to get into a rhythm. It allowed him to get comfortable. It allowed the Saints to march down the field. They got hot from this drive. This was the drive that changed everything. And it's inexcusable. Uh, Dean Pease let this happen by giving Winston infinite time in the pocket, by not pressuring him, by basically making everything easy. It gave the Saints their mojo back. And as we know, they wouldn't lose it for the rest of the game. And the Falcons, of course, would blow it. So there you go, folks. This is the reason they lost the game, not anything. I think psychologically, this is when they lost the game. Uh, They gave the Saints their mojo back and it was all downhill from here. All right. All right, guys, let's let's get on to the next play I have a big problem with. Um, Honestly, to be clear, the Falcons went back to their normal defense after that one bad drive. Like they, they started trying to blitz. They started trying to do everything that worked earlier in the game again. They did not keep doing that terrible stuff. Unfortunately for them, they basically showed the Saints that like they had life and that they could get back in this game and they gave Winston his confidence back. And of course, the Saints would just annihilate them on this drive with a lot of really, really great throws and really great catches. And that's not that the defense was playing poorly. And and to be completely honest, like I'm as pissed about this as anybody, but the Saints made some insane throws, some insane catches in this game late and that was really the, the difference in them winning, but I feel like they never get there if the Falcons don't give up that really easy touchdown drive, let them get into that rhythm, let Jameis get comfortable back there. Um, but you've already heard me talk about that. Let's talk about this play, and I'm sure you guys can see the issue I'm going to have here. We have second and 20. This is after Michael Walker had that really tremendous tackle for loss. I believe it was on Alvin Kamara on the, the screen. He drove him back 10 yards. Now Saints in second and 20. Out of field goal range, the Falcons have an excellent chance to basically end this game by getting a stop here and running out the clock. Uh, Unfortunately, as you guys know, they will not do so. Uh, And part of the reason why, of course, is the way they choose to play this. Now, it's not because they didn't rush the quarterback like they did in the last drive, right? You can see them showing a ton of pressure here. I mean, how many guys you see in the last scrimmage here? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Some of them will drop out, um, but they're showing a lot of pressure. I like that, to be clear. But look at this. Look at I mean, you guys. I don't think you need me to uh, to show this, right? You you know what you know what I'm gonna say. Like, look at this. Okay, um, easy money. Like, just completely wide open, middle of the field. Even though we're going to see one of these linebackers, I don't remember which one, drop back in here. It's still wide open in here. These these guys are playing so far off of their of their receivers. I mean, it's quite frankly, it, it's ridiculous. Um, like, there's how how are these guys supposed to contest these throws? You know, like how what are we doing? Like, it I get it. It's second and twenty, right? It's just frustrating to see this much easy space. When you really can't even afford to give up, like, like where's the field goal line? Like, I mean, like here, like that's that's as far as you can let them go. So treating this second and twenty like, oh, well, we just need to protect the first down marker. Like, I disagree. Like, I I think you need to play this like, like you would any other down, and not get too caught up in the fact that it's second and twenty. Like, don't give them the easy yards. Um, but of course, 
Falcons do play this open zone, and even the broadcast mentions how far back these guys are. Uh, the blitz does actually get there, but like I said, Winston's got his mojo back. He stands tall, right? We do see D. Alford here get this, uh, get pressure on Winston with this blitz. He's just a little too late, and Winston stands in the pocket, delivers a great throw to uh, Michael Thomas, who just finds that soft spot in the zone. Just, I mean, look at how much space is here when this. I mean, just, I mean, look at this. Like, what do we got? Three three yards at least, four yards at least, like 10 yards. And like, I mean, there, there's no chance for anyone to contest this throw. Like, it, it's so open. I mean, this guy's freaking open too, almost. I mean, you know, you got Grant at least in the area here uh, to contest this. Because if Winston chucks it here, you know, you think Grant has a pretty good chance to get in front of that. But, like, Michael Thomas is their number one threat. Look at how much space he's got to catch this ball for the first down. It's easy money. Just a big mistake. Big, big, big mistake. Um, playing that soft coverage there. Uh, it's just too easy. Like, you got to contest those. You, you got to make them work for it. All right. Now, before this play, we had probably the biggest coaching mistake, head coaching mistake of the game. Uh, by the Falcons electing to punt from the Saints' 42-yard line uh, to give them a chance to win here. Um, if you guys check my Twitter, you can see where I basically found uh, the fourth-down decision bot by Ben Baldwin. Looks at all these fourth-down decisions and gives you the analytics based on a lot of factors um, and basically tells you like that this was one of the worst fourth down decisions we've seen obviously this season but of all time uh the falcons if they had gone for it it would give it would have given them about a 15 percent higher chance to win uh because if you if you make the fourth down right you win the game it's the game's over so you have a hundred percent chance to succeed um if you fail you still actually have a better chance than not to win the game like you still have about a 58 percent chance to win the game um if you punt, you only have about a 70% chance to win. So uh, it, it's one of the easiest calls you can make. It's really There wasn't really any ambiguity about whether that was the right decision or not. Like If you look at the game situations, which a lot of people that don't like the, the like, oh, what about the game situation? If you look at the game situation, the decision's even worse, right? Because the Falcons just gave up two straight touchdown drives. Very little resistance. Uh, and the offense, even though it wasn't scoring in the fourth quarter, they were moving the ball. Uh, a lot of self-inflicted wounds there, right? The fumble at the four-yard line would have completely changed the game. They held on to that. Uh, if Mario doesn't fumble that snap on third and, you know, was it Mario's fault at the center? I don't know. But uh, if you get that, you know, you, you get that, that actual play run instead of having to just fall on the snap, uh, probably in a different situation. But... You're on the opponent's side of the field, you you go for it there. Uh, you, and the reason why is exactly this: like you're gonna the Fal we know the Falcons are gonna do this. They've done it over and over again. Um, that is, it's in their DNA, and I think the best way to avoid that situation is to just try to avoid it altogether, right? By uh, going for it on fourth down when you're in a really positive place, up to fourth and one from your opponent's forty-two. Uh, just a an, an, uh, complete no-brainer that the Falcons decided to punt. Uh, just the ultimate cowardly conservative move. And 
Of course, as you guys know, it uh, it comes back to bite him in the ass here. Um, one play is all it takes for the Saints to get into field goal range after the punt. So even if the Falcons had not gotten the fourth down conversion, like uh, it wouldn't like how much difference would it make because the Saints just get the fir- the end of the field goal range in one play, no matter what. Like what if they were starting twenty yards further down the field, it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, you guys, you guys have seen this play, Winston. Pocket actually holds up for him. He's able to launch this downfield uh, to Jarvis Landry. Uh, and it's it's easy money. Uh, huge play. Casey Hayward makes a big mistake here. Um, so you can see Hayward. He's playing off. Obviously, it makes sense to play off here, right? Because you're trying to prevent a field goal. Uh, and they have a long way to go. So this this amount of distance here, this, this soft coverage, makes sense. Um, what doesn't make sense is how Landry plays this. You can see it, it's kind of hard to see. He sort of like stops. He like he plants his feet like he's trying to cover a double move or, or an in-breaking route or something like that. He fundamentally misplays what he's supposed to be doing here, which is absolutely do not get beat deep. Like do not let the receiver get behind you. Do not give up the big play. He should be letting the receiver break off or do that in-breaking route or go to the sideline or stop short or whatever, like, you you let them have that because you can't let them get behind you. Instead, he hesitates, Landry blows past him, and now Hayward has to, to try to catch up. To his credit, he does catch up, but not fast enough to have a chance to make a play on the ball. And, of course, my favorite thing, the safeties so far back, uh, even Richie Grant really doesn't have much opportunity to make a play here. Like, he can't get there in time. So, um... Just another situation that could have been avoided with a smart fourth down call, but um, really sad to see. Really sad to see. I mean, great throw, tremendous catch by Jarvis Landry, but you know, even the veteran Casey Hayward makes a big mistake here, and and that's the difference in this game, folks. Well, there you have it. Uh, the anatomy of a collapse. Unfortunately, once again, making a video like this. I hope that I don't have to make any more this year. But I think we all know the answer to that question, unfortunately. So, um, it was a tough end of this game, big time, especially after the high we had after the first three quarters. Um, certainly a lot better performance than we saw last year, week one. This team was clearly ready to play. The offense was humming. The defense was playing pretty well. Uh, just have to be able to finish. You know, that is the difference between... Bad teams and good teams. Good teams finish, bad teams lose, you know? Um, you got to you gotta win. And it doesn't matter how good your stats are or how many nice plays you have or whatever you have going on. If you can't win at the end of games, if you can't do what you need to do, um, you're going to be a bad football team. You're not going to win a lot of games. Um, and this is unfortunately exactly what I was saying before the season, which is I think this roster is better. I think this team is better. But they're not going to catch as many breaks this year. They're not going to go 7-1 and one and one-score games again. And they're playing a harder schedule. And I think this team's going to look more competitive, but they're going to lose more games. And uh, so far, I would say that's exactly what happened in Week 1. This was They were much more competitive against a, a tough opponent. They looked a lot better overall, especially compared to last year's Week 1 performance. But they still lost. They didn't get the luck at the end that they'd had last year. Um, and they just had to do better. They've got to find a way to... To fix that, one way, go for it on fourth down. Like, don't put yourself in that situation. Like, change the narrative by making it 
we didn't get that fourth down. Like we failed on that fourth down conversion. Uh, we were trying to win the game. We didn't win it there. We gave up the, the field goal, whatever. Uh, I would rather have that conversation than once again be be saying like, oh, well, why did you make the wrong analytic decision that led to the wrong outcome that everyone could predict? I predicted it five minutes before it happened. Um, so stop doing that. Change change what you do. Listen to the analytics in this scenario. Listen, like like change it up. Be aggressive, you know, be aggressive defensively and offensively. Make that your identity. You know, you live by it, you die by it, whatever, but it le- but you need a shift fundamentally. You can't keep playing this conservative late defense uh, and, and thinking it's going to work out for you because it never has, and I don't think it ever will. You know, you're, you ain't good enough to be an asshole, right? So don't do that. Uh, just, just try to be more aggressive. And look, if you fail doing that, at least people will be complaining about something different for a change, right? Instead of you blowing a lead by, you know, sitting back on your heels and playing conservative defense that you blew it, you know, going for it on fourth down and, and trying to win the game. I, I would much prefer to be having that conversation right now about, you know, stupid things like, oh, well, the fourth down play call was bad or something like that. Instead of fundamental issues about like, oh, this team has no killer instinct. You know, this team is cowardly, whatever. I mean, I think you, the team would probably prefer that to be the narrative as well. So thank you guys so much for listening in. Really appreciate you. Um, like I said, you can check out the show on YouTube at, uh, our Falcoholic YouTube channel. We'll also have shows on Wednesday nights at 8 PM Eastern, as well as a game preview show that comes out on Fridays. And of course the post game live show immediately following the games on Sundays. Uh, if you're interested in supporting us, you can check us out on Patreon. Patrons get access to the podcast episodes early. They're also ad free and in the full quality format. So if you're on the, the, audio feed mostly you still get a lot out of that uh, it also brings you special discord access some flair also our eternal gratitude of course which is, is very you know uh and access to our exclusive uh patron q a sessions that we do every month those are a lot of fun uh so again guys thank you very much for tuning in talk to you next time here on the falcoholic podcast and falcoholic live i'm kevin i have falcoholic kevin see you next time folks